Welcome. This is another New Normal podcast where I try to learn more about how people experience the internet. My name is Andrew Mayer, founder of Digital Done Right, where I work with businesses on designing new ways of working, communicating, and excellent online experiences. This interview was recorded in June of 2022. Today I have Stephen Fitzgerald with me. Stephen is founder of Rodeo Adventure Labs. They build custom bikes for customers all over the world. They are a small eight-year-old business and dependent on the internet for being in business. Go check out my first interview with him last year. I wanted to revisit this time with him to discuss what's changed. In this episode, we also talk about a bike packing race, which he is helping to organize in Armenia in 2023. It's not a business adventure for him, but more to bring attention to this part of the world and perhaps get more people also in Armenia, on bikes, and exploring their country. I'd interviewed Stephen last September, so why again? Well, honestly, I wanted to deliver a customer testimonial, personally, and I wanted his reaction. That makes my day. Rodeo Labs makes custom bikes, the gravel type. Oh, and no motors. I've come to love to watch their customers around the world showing how they put their donkeys to work. Some competitive, but many more just adventurous. Check out their Instagram account. Notes are below if you want to taste. This time I asked Stephen how the last nine months have been. Building bikes, which depend on the global supply chain, has been very challenging. I was curious how things have changed. Also, how his trip to Armenia was. What has he learned over the last year? You want a hint? Really, my job is to cheerlead and motivate, and maybe just a little bit of guide on what we think the target is. Enough of me talking. Let's get on to the interview. Stephen, we met in September last year. Uh, you told me back then that for most of 2021, uh, you said that Rodeo Labs was basically a customer service organization. What have the last few months been like for Rodeo? I think what I said originally uh, when we first spoke still holds true as much or more than ever. Well, the fundamentals are all still the same in the bike industry, or at least really similar uh, it's still just quite the struggle with supply chain and, uh, logistics, which are very tired words now, uh, supply chain logistics, uh, <laughs> they've almost <laughs> lost meaning. I've said them so many times, but, um, it, what's interesting is that, uh, there's, a I think a wider resignation, uh, across all sort of business and culture. That's just how it is these days. I think maybe when it was starting to happen, people didn't understand as much. And now we see it in everything from mattresses to refrigerators and cars and even food and baby formula. Everything just seems more difficult now. So I think, you know, people on the customer side understand that more, that the struggle isn't unique to Rodeo Labs. And by and large, there's uh, a tremendous amount of patience. Even if people aren't enjoying it, we've seen a lot of understanding from people. But we do ship bikes. It's important to show people that even though things are uh, difficult and slow and not what we want them to be, and they are not standing still, and we are delivering bikes to people, I mean, many, many bikes a week, and we're trying to stay creative uh, in the middle of that and trying to continue to treat people well. A lot of this happens with communication. And, and so I, I think there's a lot of effort there to show that uh, visually. One of the Instagram posts that I saw, it was a bit earlier this year, was of a picture of a truck 
somewhere in Asia, and the state underneath it said, inside it, there are bikes, and they're headed to the airport. Right. And I thought, one, that's, that's, that's a unique shot to post on, on Instagram. And I wondered, how did you even get that shot? Did your supplier actually get the driver to take a picture or, or whoever it was? But two, it's like showing, it's showing a bit of the dirt of what this business is about. And I think that's not a bad thing to share with customers. I think when businesses try to hide as much as they can and put the, the shine on everything, and particularly in times like this, but I think that's something that I, I found was unique in what you are doing and what you talked about in our meetup last time, that it was a rough 2020, 2021, were really tough. Uh, it's gotten a little bit better. I saw you were even flying bikes out of Asia to the U.S., just trying to speed it up a little bit there. Um, what's the rest of 2022 going to look like for you? I have told many people that I had watched this Churchill movie, but at the time, I was watching this movie through my lens of my present situation. And mm. we actually don't lie. But what was interesting about was he had to come to a point where he could tell people the truth about how bad it was and then just be really honest that it's going to be bad for a while um, and before it gets better. <laughs> um, and I think we've always kind of been pretty, pretty out there about this is just how it is and how bad it is. But I think I've told people internally here at the company that, we, we started making changes last June to improve uh, our situation and to make, uh, to make ourselves less vulnerable mm. to what's going on. But those changes won't pay off. Uh, I mean, if you count from when we started, 18 to 24 months. Uh, so, so internally, there's a lot of it's going to continue to be difficult mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes bad but at least difficult before it gets better. Uh, but what's great is that we started that work uh, a year ago now, and we have some time and effort in the bank, and we've already seen some of the results of that. For instance, our fork situation is spectacularly good. We were out of stock on forks basically all of last year. They held up retail sales, they held up bike sales, and now we've done so much work on that uh, that's the first thing that really is showing the fruit. Uh, and our forks are in stock, available. Our QC went up and we lowered our wholesale prices to builders uh, in order to really double down on getting back and then passing where we used to be when it came to selling forks. So that got better. But bikes will continue to be challenging for, I'm going to say, a couple more months uh, and then we also made really some big investments in uh, upping our production volume to, to the degree that we're able, uh, not in a speculative sort of way, not in a we're going to cash a huge lottery check and the bike <laughs> industry is going to keep, keep thriving at this level indefinitely, but more on a we need to just invest in being a bike company that you can actually buy something from when you want it. Um, so we're still digging out of the lateness of everything, uh, things that were due in February still are not here and probably won't be until next month. But, but when that does end in those production runs do conclude, uh, we're going to be in a good spot for hmm. six months to a year in terms of, if you want to bike for rodeo labs, we can sort of guarantee that we can turn it around. And it's funny to see 
occasionally we'll have, you know, the right size frame for someone in stock and they'll say, can I get a bike? And we'll take a look and say, we can ship you a bike in less than a week. And that isn't super common, uh, but that's where we want to get back to uh, still be able to build somebody a custom bike, but do it in one to three weeks instead of six months to a year. So I'm not celebrating yet, but I can see, um, you know, I can project uh, the work that we've done uh, out and, you know, barring calamity, uh, I think that that we've we've done as well as we can trying to adapt and and change our game plan to, to try and survive this better. We met nine months ago and everyone listening to this podcast knows what typically can happen within nine months. And when I visited you back in September last year, I had my, my assistant, I know he's okay when I say that, coming with me, he actually drove me to your offices there. And he was on the fence of ordering a Rodeo Labs bike even before we, we came over that day. And he sat for the, I think we were together for an hour and a half in your, in your offices there. And it took him a couple of months until around Christmas, and then he finally made the jump. And one of the reasons he said uh, very quickly after our meetup there is he sat you know, quietly in the room while I asked the questions, and you gave lots of interesting insight and stories about the Rodeo Labs. He, he was just completely sold on the company and what's behind it. And I've got a customer testimonial for you, which I, I know you've just delivered this bike, I believe, eight, nine days ago. And to be fair, it didn't take nine months. The order, I think, was in January. So he said there's two things about their greatness, so Rodeo Labs. They took time to hear about my riding and what I needed for the mountains of Grand County and the rides and things I do around Golden. It was all about getting the gearing right, getting the wheels right, getting the brakes right. Then they listened to my Magritte version. Magritte is a painter from a century and a half ago from Belgium, um, and they embraced that. This is about the custom paint job design that he had. Some would have just put some blue paint on and a few clouds, but they came up with a great design, and when the blue wasn't quite right, they mixed it up to get the shade just right for me. They never did that before, but they said they would try. This is a great group of people and a great company that wanted to get this right for me. It's been a great bike, and the two wheel sets and their creative paint make it even better. That's from Dave. And I'll put a picture of his bike uh, in the show notes of this podcast, and you can also see it on Rodeo Labs Instagram and other places on the web as well. So I thought I'd deliver that to you somewhat impersonally through Zoom, but as best as I could this way. That's very cool. I mean, that, that makes my day. I think I beat myself up. I feel pretty ho-hum about the number of people. I feel like we let down, even though they're usually very gracious about it. But sometimes <laughs> things go well mm. and someone will just say, this was great. And you're just like, you can sit back a little bit and go, okay, yeah, like we do a good job here too. And the team here is is really hardworking and really better than they've ever been. It's it's amazing. So his his bike was so interesting because we started it and he said, I want I want, you know, the inspiration for the way that it looks to come from Margarita's painter. Uh, and he said, it's going to be a bit of a non sequitur. You won't really get it, but can I just have it? And we talked it over and I said, I, I get it. This is really cool. And I said, you know, we want to keep the cost down. So we should paint it with liquid paint. And this is a little bit nerdy, but it's interesting to see how we got there. And liquid paint is exactly what you would expect. It's shiny and beautiful and glossy. So we were going to paint his bike sky blue. And then we were going to put these cloud... Mm. Uh, vinyl decals on it, which kept the cost down and get the look 
and it was very flexible. And then our, our painter is so backlogged here in Denver that, you know, the bike sat unmoving in that line, in that paint line for a long time. And, you know, Dave would check in. He was always super nice about it. And there was a point where I said, I think, you know, we've just built this in-house capability to paint and complete, well, not paint, but Cerakote, mm-hmm. uh, which is a different process, bikes in-house. Um, so if we want to get you your bike sooner, we can move it in-house, but it'll be a little bit different. Uh, nothing sticks to this material mm-hmm. well, so we're going to need to uh, do a two-color instead of vinyl and graphics. And then uh, he said, okay, I can adapt with that. And then um, when it came to the palette of the bike, this material, the Cerakote material, comes in a fixed palette because it's made mm-hmm. out of not, not just pigments, but very physical objects that have kind of a, a, limited, uh, a limited palette. So he said, this isn't really the sky blue I had in mind. And you aren't really supposed to mix and match and go off menu with these colors. Uh-huh. But again, the team here in-house has been just learning the workflow and learning these materials really well. And, and Ryan came upstairs and just said, I think, you know, just give me, a, give me a few hours. Let me play a little bit. I think maybe I can make him a better blue. And then he, he came back upstairs with a fully painted fork and said, what do you think? I did a whole test run of this, just this one color. And, and I was able to just take a picture of it and send it to Dave. And in a way, color matching is not impressive at all. You can get any color you want. But with this material, mm-hmm. it was really cool to see the team here kind of hustle and go a little bit of the extra mile to do something that, that isn't really on menu. Uh, and then it was all worth it. You know, by the time we were done with the bike, that was what it needed to look like. Uh, so Dave being flexible on material, uh, and, and process, and then us having built some in-house, uh, and the ability to experiment, um, and, and be flexible, uh, all kind of resulted in this outcome that, uh, I mean, even six months ago that we started, you know, doing that in-house work here in February. So even in January or February, uh, we wouldn't have had a solve for him. He would have still been in line waiting for his bike, uh, even in, you know, late June, mm. but now he's got it and he can ride it. So it's little, little steps we've taken or even big steps by our, by our measure have, have definitely changed the outlook, uh, for us. So, uh, yeah, those, those, you know, the fruits of those labors are paying off, not just supply chain, but some of this in-house stuff. It is a unique piece, and I think I'm happy for him that he made the decision, not just for one of your bikes, but I, I also convinced him and said, if you're going to do this, you're only going to do it once. Get the paint job you've always wanted and uh, and yeah. ride it ride it, and show everybody that you've got your pony or your donkey here and just just enjoy it. So I thought I thought it was worth, he sent that to me via uh, Facebook Messenger over the weekend, and I know he's just been having epic rides uh, over the last week. Oh, cool. It's good to hear that it's being ridden as well. Uh, don't don't want to make just show pieces. It's cool that he's, he's taking it out there. When we met in September, you were just getting ready to head off on a trip in a part of the world I've never been to, to Armenia. And before we started the interview today, you said you're probably heading back over there relatively soon. Uh, you can read about the, the tour on the uh, blog post on the journal on the Radio Labs uh, website. Again, I'll put a link in the description below. But I just wanted to ask you, how was that trip? It is really cool to go to a place uh, that you know you're you're pretty ignorant about. I mean, myself included, at, in the beginning, just didn't know where it exactly was on a map. Uh, now, boy, do I have it memorized, but, at, you know, and, and there are other places I've done that 
a little bit with. I mean, when I went to Morocco, just really had no concept of me ever being physically in that place. And then you go and it's just a world away from everything that's familiar. We had just studied it via maps so exhaustively and we plotted a course with almost no local knowledge, uh, just drew a line based on satellite and maps and then went and tried to write it. And, and then just to let the country happen to you when you're doing that, going in almost not blind, but almost blind was just an amazing experience. Shepherds and people have been up in these mountains sort of building trails and roads for, for just longer than I can even count. So you, when you get there and you look at a map, you realize you can sort of just go anywhere you want in the country and you can almost sort of find a road or a trail there. Uh, and when you go there on, on a bike, uh, it's very difficult riding because it's all mountains, but it's also pretty much paradise because if you're on a mountain and you look over at the other mountain, you can probably see a road up it. Uh, and then you can go over there and that, that wanderlust or the curiosity to explore there, you can just ride yourself until you're sort of dizzy. Um, and then it's just a kind, kind place. Uh, the hospitality, the people, uh, and the experiences that we, we got to have, uh, the people that we met there, were, were wonderful. So at, at the end of it, uh, you know, I, I, part of the goal was to kind of explore and see whether or not it was worth putting on an event there. Uh, and at the end of it, we said, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, or at least I said, absolutely. I, I would just like to introduce more people to this place and these people. Um, and, you know, we get into thematic ruts on everybody goes here and rides this mountain in, you know, France or, you know, Italy or whatever, because they're amazing. But we need to kind of look up from that and look at other places and say, this place has just as much merit. Or if you're an adventure cyclist, uh, probably more merit in a lot of ways. Uh, so let's, let's put a new, a new option out there, a new theme out there and try and feature a new place. So I guess we're kind of championing the place, um, it's not, it's not a commercial endeavor. We're, so we're forming a race, but the race is actually owned in Armenia uh, locally. Uh, and Rodeo Labs is sort of working with three people uh, and then even a little bit larger team on the ground to organize an event. We were going to do it this year, but we decided to move it to next year so that people had more time to plan and, and um, register without uh, it, it's, it's daunting. It's, you know, it's 1200 kilometer race. Hmm. So, um, but the idea will be to create a self-sustaining, you know, race there that invites people to come and just uh, discover that as a place to ride or tour, uh, or race. Uh, and then it will benefit, you know, the, just the economic activity that surrounds a race can really benefit, I would say anywhere between four and 10, you know, local people, uh, in terms of occupation uh, and sort of a beneficial income. So it's a country that, that certainly has, uh, you know, an economy, but I think that there's more, more opportunity to talk about tourism and uh, celebrating their natural beauty and not, you know, only traditional industry. So, so we're going to go back again and, and do some more writing there and, um, you know, showcase it a little bit more and then kind of kind of build that momentum to, to invite other people to come ride there. If anyone's curious, uh, then just follow Rodeo Labs uh, on Instagram or the other social places you can find them or, you know, check them out on the website there. I'm sure there'll be plenty of posts and photos coming out of it. It's just epic. It's beautiful. 
and uh, and and I think giving back to communities that don't have all of the advantages and tools sometimes we all take for for granted uh, is is a very worthy uh, thing. And I think your participants to your event will probably need a few months as well to figure out the maps and where this country is and how to get there. It does have its own website. Um, okay, it's just called Ascend Armenia. Um, and if you Google that, we're trying to add quite a bit of information as we go. And we're trying to also uh, kind of build the local uh, cycling community and culture around it to to uh, encourage local participation. So we'll we'll end up supporting some local athletes to make sure at least a, a core number of people have the right gear and training to do you know the race that's happening in their own country. Uh, it shouldn't just be people flying in or, or driving in or training in. It should be... Um, people that already live there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Excellent. I have a signature question, which you know, and you answered last September, is what does innovation mean to you? And your your answer then uh, was, innovation is staying restless, being willing to do the work, to learn something new, and to expand your skill set. That's a piece of what you said. Uh, my question to you this time is, what have you learned over this last year? Wow. Um, what have I learned? I would say the last year has been trying to actually live that out mm -hmm. to actually do what I, what I said, uh, and not just make it a bunch of hot air and ideas. Uh, and I think we have exactly been doing that. The, the team here is more diverse and bigger than it was when you visited. So the work is happening right now. I'm actually on the third floor of our building, which was empty when you visited, but now, um, is becoming sort of you know, the the lab, uh, not just the adventure lab, but the lab lab where we're experimenting with with manufacturing processes and trying to really draw our own conclusions about what we think is viable. Uh, and I, I I sort of drop in on these meetings in these teams, but what's interesting about it is that they're 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 in a way being run without me. Um, and it's it, I think part of this innovation is me letting go of trying to be a do-all and building a team of other people who are smarter and better than me and letting them learn and build their own skills and come up with their own solutions. Uh, and, and really my job is just to, I guess, cheerlead and motivate and maybe just a little bit of guide on what we think the target is uh, and then build towards that. So the current, the current, the current theme is try and actually do do it instead of just talking. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited to actually be able to say we actually are doing that um, in a way that we have never done in our eight-year history. So this is the real maturing of the Rodeo Labs. And I think that's the lesson I, I take away from having spoken to you now nine months later. And um, uh, I appreciate you taking your time out, Stephen, to talk with me again. I hope next time to come actually visit you again uh, in the labs there and see what you guys are putting together and See if I can bring somebody else along with me that might order another bike. <laughs> that would be fun. I would love to show you and say, look what we made. Look what we did yeah. since we last talked. Yeah, lovely. Well, I've, thank you. And hopefully someone will follow you. Because even if you're not into the type of biking that you guys are excited about, it's just a fun lifestyle. And I think that's something more and more people need to see and experience and know that people are doing this and enjoying time out in nature. Go out and ride a bike. Thank you, Andrew. All right. Talk soon. Have a good one.